Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. So today we're thinking about Advent. Advent, a time when we get a chance to consider how good we are at waiting. At waiting for Jesus coming back again. I wonder how good you are at waiting, though. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's some people over here who've been waiting for ages since the beginning of the service. I think we'll ask them how they're feeling about this waiting, because you know what? People wait in very, very different ways. Um, hello, madam. Um, could you stand up and tell us, um, you've been waiting for a while. How do you feel? It's just not good enough. I don't have to put up with this. Oh, dear. Ooh. Okay. Um, and how about you? This extra time is giving me lots of chance to talk to folks around me about where I'm going. All right, okay, a little cheerful there. Oh, she's looking very grumpy indeed. Madam, how, how are you feeling? This is so frustrating. I'm going to forget it and go back home. Oof, angry as anything. And how about you, sir? I don't quite know yet what's going on, but I sense that there must be a reason. Right, okay, interesting. Interesting, so they're all waiting in different ways. But what about you? How are you at waiting? At waiting especially for Jesus' second arrival. Well, why not have a think about that as we sing our next song? We're going to sing, Your Love Will Last Forever. We would love to have boys and girls, even the waiters might be able to come up and then go back to their waiting posts and help us with the actions. Adults too, youth, down you come, down from the balcony, from the sides, and let's sing, Your Love Will Last Forever. Brilliant. Well, over the last term... uh, on a Sunday morning, we've been working our way through the book of Exodus, the Bible book of Exodus, which is just a brilliant historical account of how God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt and was leading them to a far greater place. But as we've been looking at all that God's done, what we've discovered is not just about the past, but also it's like a giant picture of what can be true for us too in 2015. Uh, Today we've got a short passage from Exodus 15, which teaches us some really good stuff about the sort of waiters that God wants. They are waiters who trust in a done and dusted rescue. Uh, They are waiters who know tests are not a mistake. And they are waiters who look forward to a promised brilliant future. Why don't you pick up your Bibles ready as Toby comes to read to us from Exodus 15. It's page 72 in the Bibles that are in the pews in front of you. And Toby's going to come and read to us now. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water Then they came to Marah. They could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. 
There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to a limb where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Thank you, Toby. So right at the beginning of that reading, in verse 22, if you keep it open, you'll see that it says, Then Moses led the people from the Red Sea. What what the writer's doing there is giving us just a reminder of what's already gone on before. He's reminding us they've come from the Red Sea, and before that, there was a done and dusted rescue. Now, to help us understand a bit more about our first point, trusting in a done and dusted rescue, we have brought in, at no expense to yourselves, a very special, rather important guest. None other than a professor. You can say his name on the sheet. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it. But why don't we put our hands together and welcome our eminent professor with us today. Oh, hello, hello. Where is everybody? Uh, We're behind you. Oh, hello there. My name is Professor Richter Schmitten-Pupentrumpen. And I have the brain the size of the universe. A brainier than you, definitely. Uh, It is good to see you, Timon. Uh, It's Tamar. That's what I said, Teabag. Now then. It's Tamar. Uh, 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 Yes, okay. Miss Miss Pollard. Thank you. Uh, Now, um, I am here to tell you some very interesting things about God's promises. You see, God has made some promises to these people, and he has been very good at keeping them. His first promise was to rescue. He said that you will not die if you kill a little lamb, and it takes the punishment for you. It doesn't sound very nice, but you know what? They all survived the houses that did that. It is like being, it must have been like being born again. It must have been fantastic. So I have little baby. There he is. Hey, I'm born again. Yes. Uh, so we stick him there. It is very good. God has kept his promise to rescue. It must have felt like being born again. Another promise that God says is, he says, he is promised to defeat their enemies. Now they had some bad enemies. They had Pharaoh. He was nasty, nasty man. And they had all the Egyptians. They were nasty, nasty men too. And so what God did was he came in and he went, piff, pow, poof, poof, piff. Just like a superhero. So we have here, pow. And he defeated the enemies and he squished them and drowned them all at the Red Sea. So he does that. He keeps that promise too. It is already done. But there is one more promise. Let me show you. It is hard to get down when you are this old. There we go. We put that there. Promise to lead people to a special land. He has said all these other promises and they have come true. And now he has promised he is going to take them to a special land. It is like a sneeze. Once it has started, it can never stop. (laughs) And so they can be sure that they will be taking them to the promised land. Thank you very much. I hope that has helped. See you, Tiba. Bye-bye. Tamar. Tamar. I don't know. What is your name? 
Well, it is a brilliant, it must have been brilliant, wasn't it? The Israelites were there. They'd seen all that God had done for them. Like being born again, the rescue was done. It was finished. It was complete. Remember what we said though. It's a picture for us too in 2015. It's a picture for those who trust in Jesus. You see, we don't look back to a lamb but we look back to the Lamb of God, God's perfect Son, Jesus, who died in our place to take the punishment we deserve. When we look back and trust in Jesus, we are 100% rescued. Um, and as the Israelites saw like God like a superhero sweeping in and defeating the enemy, it's true for us today too. Uh, Jesus came back from the dead to prove that death, sin and the devil had been defeated. The enemy is gone, totally gone. And just like when a sneeze is coming, you can't stop it. The people were definitely on the way to the promised land. Although they'd encounter all different things, nothing was going to stop them getting there. And it's the same for those of us who trust in Jesus. Things have been set in motion. And no matter what happens, what occurs, what goes on, God is moving unstoppably forward. And he will continue to do so until the day that Jesus comes again and makes everything right. Yeah, you know, God loves us so much that he has done all the hard work of rescue. It's fantastic. Uh, and he's looking for waiters who trust in this rescue. A done and dusted rescue. A waiters who trust in a mighty, mighty rescuer. A mighty, mighty saviour. Savior. And we've got our next song now. Another one with actions. So it'd be great to have some people out the front helping us. Um, and the words will come on the screen for those who want to join in in the congregation. Uh, let's sing about this mighty rescuer that we have. We have seen the sort of waiters that God is looking for. They are waiters who trust in a done and dusted rescue. Our next point is, God's looking for waiters who know tests are not a mistake. Now, when we look back in Exodus, there really is enough evidence of the people. They've seen the plagues. They've seen the Passover. They've seen the pillars of fire and cloud. They've seen the parting of the Red Sea. You would think... The people had seen God at work enough times to have confidence that he is going to take care of them and provide for them no matter what happens. But just find page 72 again. Page 72 in your Bibles. Have a look at this. Uh, uh, Because there is a a but here. You would think, you would think they would trust God. They've had all that evidence. But after three days, only three days after crossing the Red Sea, did you notice in verse 24 what they do? Can anybody spot it for me? What do they do in verse 24? What do they do? Anybody? Come on, you can do it. Yes, I think it was hand. Adam? They grumble. They grumble. Um, Now, I think 
they probably had similar grumbles to the people who've been waiting in our queue. Um, let's, uh, let's have a listen to them again, shall we? Uh, just tell us what your grumble was about waiting. It's just not good enough. I don't have to put up with this. They were probably going, it's just not good enough. I don't have to put up with this. God, I thought God had rescued us, but it, it doesn't feel like it. Maybe some of them were feeling like the rather grumpy looking one here at number three. This is so frustrating, I'm going to forget it to go back home. You can imagine the Israelites, can't you, saying, this is so frustrating. We were meant to be on our way to our promise. Like, what is going on? We're better going back home to Egypt. You might think that's pretty terrible, considering all they had seen God do, that they began to grumble. But do you know what? We are just the same. Let's get get ready, ready, let's get get ready, ready, let's get get ready ready to to grumble. grumble. Yes, welcome to the World Grumbling Championships. We have got today two of the best grumblers you will find. In the red corner, we have Rantin Ricky. You are looking very grumpy indeed. And in the blue corner, we have none other than frustrated Fiona. Here she is, grumpy as ever. Now we are going to see which of them is best at grumbling. But... You also are going to have a go and see if you can compete with them. We're going to set a different situation and you need to think how you would moan and groan, how you would grumble and mumble if this happened to you and come up with a way with your neighbour. So imagine you wake up in the morning, you open your curtains, it's not hard to imagine at the moment, and you see it is just lashing down with rain. How would you grumble about it? Turn to the person next to you and tell them what you would say if it was raining outside. <laughs> Stop smiling. Hmm? What would you complain about the rain? Why would you, what? you like it? No, no, she does rain. Okay, so oh, it's rubbish. Going to have wet play all day. Okay, folks. Uh, We're not going to give you loads of time. I know this lot have been in training about grumbling, but I want to hear some of those grumbles. Um, Can anybody, does anybody want to tell us what their grumble was when it's raining first thing in the morning? Go for it, Nathaniel. There you go. Oh, great. Short and sweet, but very good. I like it. Anybody over here wants to give us, oh, there's one at the back over here. Let me just run around here. Go, Gareth, go, go, go. Okay. I think I might as well just stay in bed. Oh, oh, I like it. Uh, Now, uh, Championship grumblers, do you think you can beat? Okay, oh, Fiona's got a good one here. Okay, go for it. I can't believe it's raining again. Who does God think we are? Nowhere or something. You know what? If it keeps raining, I bet I'm going to get pneumonia. That's very grumbly indeed. Uh, Let's see if you can come up with a better one than Ricky can. Here is a situation. Imagine you're coming into the living room, you're about to watch your favourite TV programme and you find either your little sister or daughter sat there watching My Little Pony. How would you grumble? 
Go, turn to the person next to you and come up with a grumble. Okay, folks, uh, I'm over in the South Isle here because they're looking extremely grumpy indeed. Uh, any good grumbles for this one? Has anybody got any good grumbles? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, well, it was, she beat you to it, I'm afraid. I knew we shouldn't have let your sister choose her Christmas present. Oh, yes, indeed. Fantastic. Let's, uh, anybody back here for another one? Oh, Adam's got a good one. Go on then, Adam. It could have killed me! Oh, oh, oh. that is very grumpy indeed. Uh, any of our championship grumblers? Oh, oh Ricky's okay. looking like he's ready for a good one here. He, he, go, he looks like he knows what he's going to say. God had a bad day when he created My Little Pony. God had a bad day when he created Just a my... pink donkey, isn't it? <gasps> I'd much Ooh. rather watch Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Rubbish. Very grumpy Okay, indeed. I think we'd better move on before he gets... Okay, one more grumble. What about a good friend of yours lets you down? How would you grumble about that? A good friend of yours lets you down, turn to your neighbours, come up with a grumble. What would you say? Moan or groan, mumble or grumble? Okay, we've already got a volunteer here. Jacob, what would you say to this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my word. My, I sense that Jacob uses that one quite a lot for most grumbles. Anybody over here for a grumble? Max up on the balcony. Max, you're going to have to shout out really loud. Oh, oh my word. <laughs> that, it, th people grumble about these things, don't they? Um, any, uh, any grumbles from the... Contestants at the front. It's just not fair. I've had enough. She's so mean. It's so unfair. You know what? I'm just going to go home. I've had enough now. Oh, dear. Very sad. And what about you, Ricky, on this one? Just get really, really sad. Just, just want to go and cry. <laughs> uh, let's give it up for our grumblers, shall we? Now, our grumbling championships may be a funny way of showing it, but just like God's people in Exodus 15, we can be pretty grumbly too, can't we? When we hit a bitter time in our life, when we get to a hard place, how we can grumble. Uh, sometimes you can grumble about the silly things in life. Mum, I can't believe it. You've bought Tesco Cocoa Snaps instead of Cocoa Pops. My life is over. Uh, or maybe you've uh, experienced this one. This traffic jam is just making me late. I wonder what God's doing. Uh, or maybe uh, you think as you go into school and meet those annoying friends of yours. Or you go into work and there's an annoying colleague. Why doesn't God just get rid of them? Now, they're the smaller things we grumble about, but we grumble about bigger things too, don't we? When we're not feeling very well, when our health's going, when we're getting old. We grumble about maybe it's relationships or, or issues of the heart. Maybe we grumble when we're losing our job or we've got financial concerns. I guess grumbling happens to every single one of us, mm. doesn't it? But do you know what? When God brings us to those hard places in life... What is going on, really? If grumbling isn't the right response, what is God up to? Well, the answer 
is in the passage we had read to us by Toby so brilliantly earlier. So pick up, find page 72, and I'll read verse 25 to us and see if you can work out what God is doing at this moment, why they're in a hard place. Let me read verse 25 to you in Exodus 15. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. Who can tell me why things are tough? What is God doing at that moment? Max, again. He's testing them. That's right, it's a test. And this testing is a theme all the way through Exodus. And remember, it's not just about back then, but actually testing can happen to us too, God's people, in 2015. So let me get this straight. Test, is, this, is this like SATs and O-levels and A-levels and degrees? The sort of thing where you work really, really hard and then you find out whether you've passed or failed? Uh, kind of. Right. Okay. So you see, when God tests us, it's much more than pass or fail. Actually, when God tests us, it's about helping us become better waiters, the kind of waiters he's looking for. Ah, I see. Um, You mean he's trying to produce people and show us how to grow to be more like him, to get us ready for a job that we've got to do, the job of telling other people about Jesus. Yeah. But did you notice in Exodus 15 on page 72 how he did that? Uh, Go on. Amazingly, right? The people mumble and grumble and they're moaning and groaning and God doesn't even tell them off. Instead, he's incredibly kind and incredibly gracious and he teaches them how he can look after them no matter what happens. He shows Moses this bit of wood and tells them how it can make the water sweet. I see. So what sort of wood is it that can make water sweet? Is there a wood like that? Well, yeah. It's not the wood that, it's not a magic wood. Oh, right, okay. It's not the wood that makes it sweeter. But, but God, see, God is teaching through Moses that actually the waiters he's looking for are those who know that tests are not a mistake. Rather, when things are tough, when life seems bitter, when we think this is too hard, it's actually a chance for us to see that God always has the power to look after us no matter what's happened. He can make, like he did with the water, as Moses threw the wooden, he can make bitter things sweet. So you're saying that this short little bit of history reminds us that when we get to those hard points, we don't have to grumble, there is another option. Yeah, that's exactly it. And if we find ourselves grumbling, or if somebody points out we're grumbling, because often when we grumble, We're the last to notice it, aren't we? So if we're caught grumbling, well, maybe we should just look at our hearts. Gareth, Gareth, what if I said to you this, right? Mm -hmm. God brings us to tough places, places where we're tempted to grumble, to to show us that we can really, really, really trust in him to provide in every situation. I'd say it would take me a very long time to learn Well, often it does. Often it takes us lots of time to learn and lots of bitter places. But it's true for us today, just as it was for the Israelites all those years ago. A good God always provides for his people. I see what you mean. I mean, it would be great, wouldn't it, to get to those points in life where it was hard and instead of grumbling, think to yourself, I wonder how God's going to provide this time. Not grumbling, but asking ourselves, I wonder how God's going to provide this time. 
Yeah, because we know through the Bible, time and time again, God never, ever, ever, ever makes a mistake. And so his tests are not a mistake. So we should be waiters who go like we did in verse 26 in Exodus 15. We're going to listen carefully. We're going to pay attention. We're going to obey God's commands. A bit like the person in our queue. Uh, Waiter number four, just tell us what you said again. I don't quite know yet what's going on, but I sense there must be a reason. Thank you. So it's those moments which are bitter but are tough, where we're clinging on to God's promises by our fingertips, where we go, I don't know how. But in our helplessness, we can cry out to God, knowing that he is good, he is kind, he doesn't make mistakes, and he hears our cry. Uh, So we are beginning to work out the sort of waiters that God is looking for. He's looking for waiters who trust in a done and dusted rescue. He's looking for waiters who know that tests are not a mistake. But I don't know, maybe you're a little bit like this. Sometimes it feels like God doesn't make the waters sweet. Sometimes it feels like the bad times just keep on going and going and going. Um, Well, that's what our third point is all about. And that's why our third point is really, really important. Um, God's looking for waiters who look forward to a promised, brilliant future. But ladies and gentlemen, before we get to that point, uh, it is time for that popular game show, What's in a Name and a Number? And uh, I'd like you to give it up a big welcome for your host, Dwaynetta Twinkle Smile. It's great to see you, my teeth clean, because I keep them clean, that's right. Now, let me explain how this little game show goes. I'm going to show you a number or a name, and you've got to pop your mid in the air and give me the answer. So, something like this may appear on the screen, 12M in a Y. If you're not that quick this morning, we'll give you a little clue. Anyone want to guess what 12M in a Y is? Yes, Nathaniel Brownhall. That's absolutely right. Well done, young man. 12 months in a year. Okay, so we're going to go this side against this side. There are numbers and there are names. So let's have the first number. Who can tell me what's in a number? 5V in an A. Anyone think they know? Yes, Mr. Collier, sir. Five vowels in the alphabet. You are absolutely correct. Well done, Mr. Collier. Okay, well, we're not just talking numbers here. We're talking names too. So who can tell me what's in a name? What does the name Gareth mean? Does it mean A, gentle? Does it mean B, quick thinking? (laughs) I think that'd be a rather silly name, don't you? And C, farmer. What do you think? A, B or C? If you think A, pop your hands up now. B, pop your hands up now. C, put your hands up now. <laughs> I can reveal to you that most of you were wrong. It is. Oh, my glasses. It's very hard when they're broken already. <laughs> gentle, gentle Gareth. Okay, what's in the numbers? Let's have another one. Four, one, or W, honor, 
curly cap I see. Who can tell me why you think that is? Some of you may have come in one of these this morning. Yes, Mrs. Bramall. Four wheels on a car. She is correct. Round of applause. This side are clearly better at the numbers. Okay, what's in a name? Tamar, I hear she's a pretty dandy lady. But what does her name mean? Is it A, determined? Is it B, gift from God? Or is it C, palm tree? What do you think? Pop your hands up now if you think A, B. Oh, lovely. My glasses fell off us, so please. Or C, palm tree. Yes, for some reason, her parents thought that was a good name. It means palm tree. Okay. (laughs) Pollard means cutting the top of trees. Oh dear, she's a stump. Let's move on. (laughs) What's in a number for our last one? At the moment, they've got two, you've got none. But you can try and get a point now. 10p for a S. Anyone think they know? Shall we give you a clue? This is your clue. Oh, the hands went up and then they went down and then they went back up. Miss Master Barraclough. Ten pins for a strike. That is correct. Well done, young man. Well, that's the end of a game show. It's been great to see you, but it's been even better for you to see me. Until next time, goodbye. Notice the names and numbers in our passage. Turn back to page 72 again and verses 26 and 27 because these names and numbers have meanings too. Let me read to you the second half of verse 26. See if you can spot the names and the numbers. I will not bring on you any diseases I brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camped near the water. Did anybody spot the name there? Yes, that no, the name of a person. Yeah? No, Moses wasn't in there. Yes? No, not Elim. It was God. He said he was called the Lord, the Lord who heals. And that tells us something very important about God and something we really do need to know. What about the numbers? Did anybody spot any numbers there? Yeah. 12, and there was another number as well. Did you spot another number? Yes? 70, yeah, 12 and 70. Uh, 70 is a number that hints at the people that Jesus sent out. 70 people he sent out to tell uh, the world about him. Uh, 12 hints at the number of disciples Jesus had. The people who wrote down in the Bible everything that we need to know about Jesus. Jesus who never grumbled and who made it possible for those who trust in him to get to heaven. These names and numbers at the end of our passage give all of God's people a reminder what has always been God's promise. Although we can look back over the history of the Israelites and and see how God has provided for them again and again, sometimes in our life, our experiences, well, life just seems tough. God doesn't seem to make it sweeter. It, It just stays hard. Maybe that's you right now, or maybe you'll face that in the future. Well, I think that as we go through those hard times, this bit at the end of Exodus 15 in our reading 
is a brilliant reminder as God's people get to Elam. It's a brilliant reminder of our promised future heaven, a place where tough times disappear, where we'll never ever thirst again, where all sadness and death has gone. The place that God has promised to be, to give to those. Promised to waiters who trust in a done, dusted rescue. God promises this place to waiters who know that God's tests are not a mistake. And promises it to waiters who are looking forward to that place, looking forward to a promised, brilliant future. And when we're sure of this, oops, that it's heaven we're waiting for, then what our last cure said is absolutely true, isn't it? Let's hear from our last cure again. If we're trusting that heaven is what we're waiting for. This extra time has given me lots of chance to talk to the folks around me about where I'm going. Brilliant. Well, we're going to sing that message of Jesus coming the first time, of looking forward to when he returns, of all that he gives us and our hope of heaven as we stand and sing our final song together, Emmanuel. So let's stand as the music begins. <laughs> 